Welcome to Spine and Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you by the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly and it will play music that is unique to you. Your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. Welcome to another episode of Spine and Body Podcast. Today, we are inter- interviewing a Dr. Sean Ali from uh, Irving, Texas, and the um, the topic is burnout. It was really about a physician burnout, but it really could be applied to to anyone in this in this day of of pandemics and and social distancing and you know, everything that kind of keeps us from having relationships with other people, which we go through uh, in this in this whole whole episode, um, realize that, you know, for physicians, you know, people have always thought that, you know, this is a, a high salary profession and it's it's changed more than people realize. There's a there's a, a certain amount of um, income out there, but hospitals are having record profits. Insurance companies are having record profits and um, Big Pharma is having record profits. And the people that they are drawing that from is, is nurses and physicians. So to maintain the, uh, the life that they had before, physicians and nurses are having to work longer hours um, and, and see more people and not connecting with people the way they, they would like. And, and it's really coming to a head. I think that there's a lot of physicians and, and any healthcare providers in general that are, that are kind of losing their way, that are, are feeling this, this um, burnout, right? Where they, they, aren't, they aren't able to have the, the type of relationship with their patients or with others that, that, they, that they want and it would take, which they crave and, and which is actually the reason why they got into medicine. So realize as we go through this, this um this episode can be for anybody but um i think you'll i think you'll be as impressed with dr ali as as i was he um he's an impressive young physician and uh, i really enjoyed this interview and i hope you do too welcome back to another episode of spine and body podcast i'm i'm here today with uh, dr sean ali he is a uh, sports medicine physician in the irving area is that correct dr ali that's right. I'm working with quantum pain and sports medicine. Oh, very good. And the topic that we were going to talk about today was burnout. I, I think that this is an incredibly relevant topic at this time. I think that there's a lot of forces that have led to this, and I'm anxious to have this discussion. So tell me a little bit about your practice first. Sure. So uh, I'm in Irving, Texas now, bringing a quantum pain and sports medicine, pretty much solely musculoskeletal here, focused more on spine. Um, doing a lot of procedures as far as uh, C-arm type procedures, uh, mainly catering to like private client population here. 
Okay. Tell us about your experience with uh, the burnout, because I know that that was something that you did in a previous practice. Yeah. So um, I was formerly working for LSU back in Louisiana, and we had a uh, wellness committee, which I was a chair of. It kind of all started, I guess, right before COVID. It kind of started to just escalate as COVID got crazy. Work requirements were unpredictable. We started kind of committee meetings. And I just had a whole different thought on how we see wellness. And so did some folks in the hospital. But we're really going against the wave. You know, it's challenging, but we're really kind of challenging a narrative of how we define wellness and how we address it. Because most hospitals these days or practices, even they think, especially with COVID, sometimes you just get a pin or you get to be acknowledged on doctor's day, or you get some free ice cream, or you get an external battery pack and you get that for one day for five minutes. And that's how we are, you know, given our uh, help from the hospital or recharging our batteries. And uh, I just don't think doing one thing for five minutes or just even a day out of the whole year is the way to have wellness. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, I, of course I, I have my own thoughts about this, but I think that we've kind of lost that, that idea that this is a very noble profession. So tell us, tell us how you guys uh, kind of worked through this. Yeah. So first thing is to kind of have an idea of what you think wellness is. And typically wellness is kind of defined as an active pursuit of activities. So it's actively pursued. It's not static. It's dynamic. It has to be intentional. So it has to be actively uh, embraced every single day. And wellness can be seen on like so many different angles that all of us experience. Obviously, the easy ones to, you know, understand are physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. There's also so many factors involved in social environments. And uh, that's kind of how we see things. And as the healthcare uh, scene and environment is really changing from, you know, private practices declining so much since in the past decade, and especially even post-COVID really now, uh, things are changing. And we just found that there's so many reasons that people are having burnout. It could be from work factors, personalities, really, organizational factors. And we can really tease out kind of even some more specifics. So much of our medicine is data-driven. Everything can be pulled. Everything's in the cloud. All of our bosses, all of our companies, organizations know exactly how many encounters we have, how many RVUs we produce, how many procedures we've done, how many readmissions are happening. There's health markers. So there is always stress in a microscope on all of our habits, all of our outcomes that can cause so much stress. I always felt like, you know, this was supposed to be a absent from profit uh, profession where, you know, healthcare providers took care of people, you know, people we met in the middle and then, you know, the hospital used to be this, this non-for-profit scenario. And, and now it feels like, uh, as they've tried to generate profits, they've they've really impeded on the interaction between the healthcare provider and and the patient. And I, and I, and in my mind, that has something to do with with this, you know, trying to control what's happening. Is that is that kind of what you guys found as you went through this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some common themes. I think being in medicine, even being pre med, being in residency training, fellowship training, being in your practice, we're perfectionists. And we are judged on how good our outcomes are. And we have to strive for perfection, although none of us are. It becomes so stressful. And with that, too, we're trying to have interactions with patients. And a lot of people are finding that the reason doctors are feeling burnt out is they feel like they can't connect with their patients. And that's for lots of reasons. One is their mind may be on a billion things. They might, their mind may be on how many minutes they can stay in the room. 
they they feel that patients are coming in, you know, they, they want the Burger King way, they want it their way. And so doctors are not even able to conduct things in the way they want sometimes. And even being perfectionist, kind of going back to that, we have our EMRs. And by now, if you've been in practice for more than five years, you've been going through residency, you've used almost every EMR. It is so cumbersome. There's so many clicks. Even though we have fiber, it, it still lags sometimes. Sometimes different EMRs are not live. You, you're expected to do so much on just a click-by-click basis just to get from room to room. And so many things are cumbersome. We're expected to do CME. Sometimes it doesn't make sense why we're doing some things, some courses, paying uh, licensing fees, board fees. We, we get asked to sit on committees. And this is all outside of medicine sometimes. And even going back to the EMR, we have home access. We have access on our smartphones. So we're always connected, almost always expected to be connected. So most doctors have a tough time turning, you know, work off. And that's why they're always burnt out too. They're thinking about their patients even after hours, which, you know, obviously that's why we're in the profession to help people. But then eventually you suffer too. Right. And for those that don't know, EMR is electronic medical records, which was instituted about 20 years ago, you know, I mean, lots of people had computer records, but it wasn't until about 20 years ago when they really started pushing it. Uh, and then CME is continual medical education. We, uh, almost every medical profession or every healthcare provider has to keep a certain amount of education up and prove it. And that's done through uh, CME or continual medical education. In my mind, you know, those are the things that really jump out. You know, I mean, it's it's the lack of time, it's the lack of commitment, uh, connection with a, with a patient. It's it's this uh, overwhelming outside of medicine that we didn't really sign up for. That's kind of that's kind of uh, creating you know the stress. But what else? Yeah. So with all this stress, depending on, I mean, more than fifty percent of physicians are employed by hospital systems, and what that means is you have less autonomy you have less potential to create an ideal culture of how you want to work. If you want to change anything or modify or improve anything, you have to send emails. You have to get scheduled. You have to be approved. You have to speak to the practice manager. You have to speak to the director of ambulatory clinics. Maybe one day you'll speak to the CMO, the CEO. So already you have, you're having to go through 10 different steps to get anything to change and you have to comply with that said too when you are in a company, sometimes a lot of physicians are frustrated because they have limited opportunity for advancement, promotion, becoming a partner, and they feel like they're putting in their time and they want to continue to advance and excel in their career and they can't. And that can be very, very frustrating. And even on top of that, thinking outside of all the commotion of paperwork and the social environment, many hospitals don't have the proper nutrition for their physicians. I mean, in the sense of we're snacking all the time, if we're able to even eat. I mean, I, I can remember, and I'm sure you can too. Sometimes you don't find we're almost on a liquid diet. We're drinking shakes all day just to get through because we can't sit down and have a proper meal. I mean, I talk to residents, fellows, even my siblings are in medicine. Sometimes they don't use the bathroom for 24 hours straight. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's nuts. I mean, you're exhausted, obviously. And you can't make time for yourself. You can't, you, you, you feel guilty when you ask for time off. If it's going to the bathroom, going to the meditation room, you feel like you're letting people down. You want to take a vacation. You feel like you're letting your boss down. You don't feel comfortable. Uh, there, there's not a safe space. You're not sleeping properly. I mean, there's so many things. And when you try to 
hydrate, you try to eat, there's no time. And when you do try, sometimes the options in most cafeterias are not all that great. Right. Right. Do you find, okay, so, so let's say for example, you know, I say to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to take care of this person who's, who's sitting across from me. And and I'm going to, I'm going to really, I'm going to really figure out what's wrong with them. And I, and I'm going to, I'm going to take the time that's necessary to, to make this person better. And because of that, you know, we're going to have a bet. I'm going to, I'm, I'm a better physician because of it. And then the powers that be are pretty much against that. I mean, they're not saying, yes, you know, we're, we're going to reward the people that, that are, you know, being the best physician or being the best caretaker or figuring the things out. We really just want you to see people faster. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about that today with a colleague. I mean, we're expected most, most physicians are seeing 20 to 60 patients a day, right? Just to make sure we break even, pay the bills, something's profitable. And just spending enough time with the patient in the room and you can't let one difficult patient ruin the next person's experience. So if you see 30 patients a day and you have one tough patient, the other 29 patients of your day don't deserve your wrath. And it's so hard to refocus. I think that's why medicine is really an art where no matter what happens in any room, you have to really be able to engage yourself and engage the patient, uh, engage their family. Uh, I'm big on that. Like if there's other folks in the room, if there's a child, if there's a grandparent, if there's a son, daughter, uh, if they're wearing, you know, a Saints shirt, hopefully, because I'm a big Saints fan. <laughs> I mean, I acknowledge all that. It's ways to enlighten your day. It makes each room become unique. Uh, you connect with people that way. Uh, but it's so hard to stay engaged. How much time can we stay in the room? You'll pay the price. Yeah. You, you'll pay the price by being in your clinic till 6 p.m. or you'll go home. And after your kids are asleep or you've done your tasks, you know, you're home, you're charting, you're preparing for the next day. And that's part of where the burnout comes to. There's so much overflow and you you have difficulty prioritizing. You have to be really intentional. Uh, and that's why the definition really is like becoming intentional. It's always changing. You have to engage it all the time and check yourself all the time. Uh, but, you know, we're in this field to really treat patients like our family, uh, like we'd want to be treated give good quality care, um, give them their time. But there's always moments where you have to continue moving to the next room to help the greater amount of people. And it's very difficult. And that's where the burnout is really coming from, or we call it moral injury now, is just you just can't connect with people like you want, how you want. It's hard, but it's an art. And there's a lot of times as physicians – you learn the art so well that all it takes is sometimes 10 seconds to get to know somebody. You give them that smile. You look in their eyes. You acknowledge them. You remember something unique about them. And it just melts the situation away. And they just tell you the truth about what's going on. You can really change lives. Do you find that that's, that that's how you guys tried to combat um, the, the burnout in Louisiana? Or, or what, type of, what type of things did you employ? Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the hard part because... No matter what you want to employ, you need a lot of infrastructure backing. Uh, that can come from your department. That can come from the hospital administration. That can come from the health network. It just depends on your environment. Um, we started preliminary talks of how we can't just do a doctor's day party uh, for one day. We need to do consistent things. If it's quarterly, if it's weekly, if it's every month, there's check-ins, um, knowing preferences of you know, physicians, residents, fellows, all those things like what, what, when they're feeling down, what would they like? 
cookie cake, a massage? Uh, do they just want to get work done on their car, get a car wash? So we started to implement, you know, uh, preference cards and see when someone's having a down day. And you can, you can tell when you work so closely with your colleagues, you can really tell when someone's going through something, they're moving a little bit slower, they, they, they look a little tired. And then we would pull those cards and see what that person needed to kind of pick them up. What was their almost like love language, as you would say, uh, and, and to improve their lives. But there's, there's a lot of steps to kind of improve your situation. And sometimes it's hard to find the support, uh, acknowledgement, resources, but you have to really prioritize yourself with daily efforts. You have to balance your diet. You have to make sure you get greater than six hours of sleep. Otherwise, your coronary heart disease risk goes up by 50%. And mm -hmm. that's challenging in itself. You have to find a mentor. I think that's one of the most important things as obviously when you start your career, when you're kind of going through your career, finding a mentor, also being a mentor, having someone or a mate you can rely on, speak to. Um, you have to stay connected to your faith or any kind of higher being, uh, your community, which is your family. Uh, all those things are really important. And we say that, but you have to be very intentional to engage all that. So let's say, for example, you know, someone's listening to this and they say, you know, I, I think I could be a mentor or I think I need a mentor. As a mentor, first of all, what are the things that you, that you would uh, kind of impart to another 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 person and then also um what are the things that you would expect you know being a mentor just to be honest and i've thought about this a lot i think most most doctors do not have an easy road we're, we're looked upon as superman superwoman uh we are looked upon as the smartest one in the class the most successful one in the class and maybe in parts of our life we were People don't talk about how difficult it is to get into medical school. They don't talk about how hard it is to match into your dream program or even just match these days sometimes. Um, they don't talk about the struggles they had. Maybe they failed the test. Maybe they didn't. These things are real. And you'd be surprised how many physicians actually have that story. So I think the key tenet of being a mentor is honesty. You have to really stand on the shoulders of others to really raise yourself. And once you really appreciate that, you would love to be a mentor yourself. I think honesty is very important. I think being a good role model, there, there's so many things that normal people cannot do to be successful. Most people cannot be reliable. They cannot be productive. They can't be decisive. They can't be adaptive. And those are four very, very important traits to succeed in life. But even so, in a workspace, people want to work with people who are reliable, who show up on time, leave on time. They carry through tasks. So this is what I impart to most of my mentees. Uh, they like decisive people, people who make good decisions, the right decisions at the right time. People want to work with productive people that when they're given a task, they produce. And then almost the most importantly, even when I would recruit fellows, it was adaptive. You have to be able to make lemonade at all times. No matter what kind of day you're having, no matter who shows up to work, you have to be able to produce well, work well with others, work with different personalities. And that's one of the key things, is be, especially being in sports medicine. We know how important it is to be on a team and how each team has a point guard, has someone who plays defense, has someone who can shoot threes, has someone who can do the dirty work. And you have to realize where you land on that team. And sometimes you have to play multiple positions. Sometimes you might be at one position and you have to do your best. 
and so that's that's an important thing too when you make a team and even in a clinical setting too uh, you you really that's how a team works so well everybody does a different task to the best of their ability every given day and no matter what shows up at the front door we just do our best yeah you know you're right about you know, physician sometimes is very hard. I, I think the people say, oh, you know, your income's well, you know, your income's really good. Well, sometimes, I mean, it, it's it's really, you know, the the way that these uh, corporations and, and insurance companies are, are doing it now is, is it, it kind of cuts into it. But I always think back to, I, I was telling this story to somebody. I said, you know, let's say, for example, you decide uh, you, you're going to pump gas, right? And that's going to be your profession. And after about a week and a half, you realize, you know what, you're pretty good at this. You're good at interacting with the people who are you're pumping the gas for, or or whatever it is. And there is value in every profession. I'm not I'm not saying this to to put anything down, but after about a week or so, you know it. As a as a physician, you go through medical school, you have no idea. You start going through residency, you start getting a pretty good idea that you might be good at this. But sometimes you're ten years into your practice before you're really good at what you're doing, or, or not. And and now you're, you know, perhaps 15, 16 years into the whole process, 17 years into the whole process, and you're figuring out you, you're not that, you're not, you're not the, you know, you're not the top of, of, of everything. But, you know, in a lot of cases, what it takes is somebody who, I mean, we, most healthcare providers have a servant's heart. So you're going to have, you're going to have that top 5%. My gosh, they're really good at what they do whether they care about the people in front of them or not. You got another night, you got another 95% of people, they're doing their best and they are, they've got that servant heart and they just want to take care of people. That's what they want to do. And it does feel like we lose that and, and, you know, and that's a much bigger problem. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're all in it and don't get us wrong. Everybody wants a living wage, but we understand that student debt, most students these days are coming out with 200000 plus dollars of debt. So it's going to take time to pay that off. With that, with that also in that uh, regard, if you make X amount of dollars, if you make $10 this year, you think you'll be satisfied if you make $12 the next year? No, you're going to want 15 If you make $15 that year, you're going to want to make 20 So it's never enough. So if we just have an appetite, Costs are rising in all sorts of ways. If it's housing, if it's our entertainment that we like to do, especially as physicians, if we're, we don't want to be burnt out, we want to take trips, we want to eat well, we want to treat people, uh, we want to help our family, all those things. But if, if money's the driving uh, force of why you're getting into it, it's probably not the best thing for you because it'll never be enough. And we all know lots of examples of that. And majority of us are doing it to help people. And if that's not your true intention every morning when you wake up, and, and that, that actually is a good way to curb your burnout too, because if you feel like you help that one person, it really changes, you know, your whole day. It goes back to that starfish story where, you know, a young kid is on the shore and a bunch of starfish have washed the shore and they're dying on the shore. And he's starting to put them back in the water, trying to salvage them. Someone comes by. And they said, look, there's thousands of starfish on the shore. What are you doing? And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, they're going to die anyway. He goes, the young kid picks up the starfish. He looks at it and he throws it back in the water. He goes, I saved this one. I saved this one. So if you have moments where you just can help one person in humanity, it makes your day worthwhile. So if you see 30 patients in your day, 
if you just connected with one patient, you helped one patient, you went the extra mile for that one patient, which we all just makes us feel so good about what we do. Then we can go home, look ourselves in the mirror, know we did a good job and kind of try to do it again. And you try to amplify it with having a good team. But that that's kind of, we, that's why we're doing it, is tr- trying to save the starfish. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I find, and this may be, you know, maybe this is a tool for others, but what I find is, is that when I'm in the room with a patient and for the time that I'm dictating and the time that I'm doing, you know, what I'm doing for that patient, they're getting everything. They're getting all I have. But once they leave, I don't think about them. And I, and it's, and it's one of the ways that I cope. If I were to give everything and then worry about them all night, I would go crazy. And I, and I really feel like that's, at least for me, that's a coping mechanism. Um, but, but by gosh, they're going to, they're going to get everything I got while I'm in that room or, or immediately afterwards. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's commendable. That is the right way to do it. Um, sometimes you feel that's the only way to do it is that when you're on the field, you leave it all on the field. Um, that's why it's important to have so many things outside of work. And that's why it's important to really, uh, prevent this moral injury to happen is to be able to turn things off, uh, it's almost like thinking of things as a waffle. Everything has its square. You have to kind of move on. You have to be productive in your home life, family, friends' life, your personal life. If that's, you know, getting, you know, relief from going to exercise, fitness, listening to music, whatever it is, you have to find something. But most of us are giving everything we have because the margins are so slim. And if you make a mistake or there's an error in your documentation, you can really pay the price in lots of ways. I mean, it, it, it's, it's frightening sometimes. We, you know, mo- a lot of jobs are not life and death. And sometimes ours are, especially some of the interventional procedures we're doing. You know, sometimes we're close to vasculature. We're close to spinal cords. It can, it can, it can change someone's life and not just their life, their whole family's life, their whole family's future. Uh, it can change your whole life. And if you go into the room giving it everything you have, caring about people, And sometimes that's the most important thing is patients sometimes don't really care as much about the outcome, about uh, what kind of medication you're giving them. They just want to be heard. You know, they've been suffering from something for a day, a year, 10 years, and they've been holding that inside. They've impregnated that idea or these feelings or these symptoms or this illness for so long. They just wanted you to hear them, you know, and sometimes you have to just really, really focus and, and let them open up. You have to break the ice with them, and that can really help you succeed. Uh, but to be your best, you have to be your best outside of work, too, with adequate rest, hydration, and lots of things. Yeah, everything has to be in balance, you know. And I remember this quote, and, and you know, we always, as you said, you know, spiritually, there's a there's a there's a component also, and and I remember this quote from Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She said, "Here comes Jesus again in that in that annoying body," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I try to remember that because here's this you know holy lady, and she felt the same way we did, which is you know not everybody do I want to see, but I'm but I'm trying to see the good in everybody, even when they're you know hard for me to spend spend the time or you know I I don't really want to go in the room with with that particular person is I have to remember that, that there's good in everybody and sometimes it's our it's our job as caretakers to find that and you're right they just people have to feel like they're heard and that they're listened to and that they're not dismissed and and there's nothing worse than 
I'm not listening to you and you're crazy. Um, that's, that's sometimes the, the, the fear of every patient is that that's what, that's what they get. Some, somewhere along the line where people are taught to do that, and I hope that people are listening will, will stay away from that. Well, you make me smile when you say that. Almost, almost laugh because we're in a service industry now. You know, believe it or not, I was in residency and I was getting yelped. People have, were reviewing me on Yelp on my medical care. Can you believe it? Like we, we know Google reviews exist, but I was on Yelp. Luckily, they say good things, but you have to be very vigilant of how you behave, your outcomes, because all it takes is one. And on Google reviews, sometimes if you just have one one-star review, it takes 155 stars to get you back to five stars. You know, in the digital age now, especially there's freedom of expression. Everyone's self-authoring everything uncensored. Social media, we're really able to see into people's perspectives and lives. Uh, you have to be very vigilant. So there's so many angles where a physician can be stressed out because they are watched by their bosses, hospital administrators, even now the patients. And their patients are holding you accountable. And that can take so long to improve or rectify once you have one bad encounter, one bad review. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is, is that because of HIPAA, uh, which is Health Information Protection Act, I think there's another P in there, <laughs> uh, you know, we're not allowed to respond to those things. And, you know, I mean, most, pe most people aren't. I mean, it's most businesses won't go, well, this person did this and that's really what happened. But it is kind of a, it is that you're right about the Yelp. It's, um, that's a, that's a bane in the existence of, of physicians, especially pain, you know, somebody like yourself and, and me who does pain practice is, you know, uh, a lot of people come in, they want what they want. And, um, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. So how did your guys, how did your guys, um, interventions work? Do you feel? I think we just made a dent. We are so overwhelmed as physicians that sometimes we don't even have the time to serve on these committees and put all of our effort. I mean, we met quarterly uh, in my previous position, and we were starting to implement some things, but everyone else sits on so many committees. We're expected to see so many patients. Some hospital institutions are starting to hire wellness officers. Sometimes that's a full-time job. Sometimes that's part-time. Sometimes it's just a half day. I think it's improvement. I think the most important thing is to stay connected. I think one thing we talked about a lot is being able to look people in the eye in the hall, have a conversation with them, check in on them, have a pulse of your team, have a pulse of who may need help. Uh, you'd be surprised by just checking on somebody, seeing how they're doing in the lunch line or in the lounge or in between clinics or when you're sharing patients or you see them out at the grocery store, just see how they're doing. Uh, because honestly, everybody's struggling. We're all in the paradigm. Some people are struggling more at one time than the other. And you'd be so surprised. Probably not surprised anymore because we are all struggling in so many ways. Even ourselves, we're here on an evening trying to help uh, raise awareness about burnout, trying to help physicians do better, aspiring physicians know what they're getting into, how to take care of themselves properly. It's, it's, it's a challenge. And it's, some institutions just don't have the support or time to do it. But you have to actively yourself, you know, write down goals, check in on yourself. Have people who are checking in on you. Uh, it's, you. It's so important to have good surroundings, uh, positive people, because work is so stressful. And we were such perfectionists that the smallest thing can really 
change our entire day and change people's lives for the better. And so having those things of, uh, I have a couple of things that I try to have a saying of, you know, it's important to lose some weight, stand up straight, speed up your gait, don't fill your plate, meaning even with the food, but also with your responsibilities, try to sleep for eight, talk to your mate and improve your mental state. And all those things kind of go hand in hand with, you know, your physical, mental, all those things we kind of talked about before, but having good surroundings, having people you can lean on and check in on, and they check in on you. I think that's one of the most key pieces, especially in such a stressful state with, you know, unpredictability. Most of us work off of algorithms. You know, we all know up to date, which is, you know, the electronic database where some of the most up to date advices, evidence-based medicine, and there's, there's things we should do from step one to step two to step three. Because sometimes we forget to just check on folks and, uh, that's really important too. That's really good. I like that. You know, and I always talk about that, you know, people will have, it's almost like their life is a plate and they've got all these things on it and you take one off or, or one gets, one gets disrupted and it's almost like the entire plate becomes unbalanced, let's say on their finger and, and, you know, everything feels out of balance and it's really a matter of keeping everything in balance. And you know, this, this, uh, pandemic, it does feel like, you know, people became much less social. We almost became afraid to talk to each other. We became afraid to shake hands. Nobody gets a hug anymore. And, and it, and, you know, people talk about the increased burnout. Well, some of it is that, I mean, to me, it was interesting how we, how recently we've started talking about IgA immunity. Well, I think the same thing is we're starting to talk more and more, you know, we're talking more and more about relationships and how that relationships with those around us is so important. And that relationship has to, especially in times when times are stressful, getting together and complaining with each other is, is, is actually where you'll find is counterbalance, is counterproductive. It's really getting together and encouraging each other. Yeah. I mean, going back to the algorithms and the pandemic, the pandemic made everything unpredictable. You didn't know who was showing up to work. You didn't know how to manage some diseases. Not, not just that. You didn't know the rules on isolation versus quarantine versus what's an exposure versus which mask. Were you driving with your windows down when you were exposed to somebody? Did you walk by somebody? And as physicians, we kind of taught to see things as, as black and white sometimes. I think the best physicians are the ones that don't see things as black and white, where they have personal connections with patients, but you really try to compartmentalize. You're following these algorithms. You're super intensely focused. You're doing all these mental gymnastics when the patient is talking. The, the horsepower, your cerebral horsepower is at an ultimate high. And most, most people are not, they don't know what's going through our minds when people are telling their stories. And now everything has become unpredictable. And you kind of worry about that. And your team, we, we go back to talking about, you know, each piece is so important that if your plate gets, you know, one thing just changed. It's just like a car. You know, your team is like a car, the, the wheels on the car. If one wheel is not working well, the car can't go very far for very long. And all it takes is one wheel to mess up if that's the front desk, the back end, if it's you yourself, if it's your supply chain, if it's this one person you rely on your clinic hadn't come today, things can really spiral out of control and it can affect patient care, quality, safety. And now, you know, who's watching us for quality and safety is the higher ups. And so that doesn't go too well either. So that's the issue with our minds are so on an algorithm and this pandemic has kind of changed all of that. 
and we've lost a human connection in a lot of ways. I mean, we haven't seen most people's faces in almost two years. I mean, it's just crazy. You can't see a smile. You can't see a smirk. You can't see sarcasm. You're, you're talking with your eyes most of the time. Um, it's just so challenging. And, you know, I hope we get past it. I hope that uh, we're able to connect with our patients, with our staff better, because the daily thing, we spend so much time at work, uh, sometimes more than we're at home. And it's important to have a safe space, a healthy environment, an environment where you feel like you're acknowledged, uh, you have support, um, and you have to really be focused on that. Yeah, well said. Well said. You know, and it does feel like, and I almost wanted to say lipstick on a pig, but it's not really that. You know, I mean, there's there is an environment with with the corporatization of medicine where you know they are profit driven. And and this has never really been a profit driven, uh, um, you know, practice or or specialty or, you know, healthcare. And now all of a sudden it is profit driven. And and we're trying to make we're trying to improve everything, everything around, you know, the the environment that's been that's been given to us. And that's the environment that we have right now. Um, so I mean, I can complain I can complain about the profit driven you know thing, but it doesn't really help. It, it's really trying to find all the other things. And I do think, I do think that relationship with people, I think that's, you know, when you brought that up, that, that, that does speak to me. I, I kind of laugh because this day and age, you know, people are almost afraid to share their opinion and they probably should because, you know, there's been such a fragmentation as far as, as far as, you know, how people think. And, and I, I was having this discussion, um, <laughs> you know, I always worry about, about talking about things like this because, you know, I'm figuring I might have to take it out later before this goes uh, on a podcast. But, <laughs> but I was having this discussion with a with a guy, and we do not share the same music likes. And we started talking about how is it that I like something completely different than he likes. And what we figured out was is that the music speaks to to my experiences in my life, and the music that he listens to speaks speaks to the experiences he's had in his life. And you know what? It it affects our opinions and affects our voting and affects everything. And the thing is, is that because I know this person, I'm better because I know that person. I don't care what their opinions are. I like them. And their opinions may be completely different from mine, but I'm a better person for knowing them and listening to their opinions. And my opinions don't have to be forced upon them, Right. And that's part of building a relationship. And that's part of one of the things that I think we've lost in this last couple of years is that we immediately dismiss people who have opinions that are different than us. And those different opinions actually make us a better person. Not, not, not necessarily because we're going to take on theirs, but we understand them better. And I, do, I, I mean, I hope that's not too political, but I, I, I firmly believe that the United States is a wonderful place because of all the different opinions. So you don't have to comment on that one. That's just me throwing it out there. No, that's okay. I mean, I think you make a great point. I think the common theme of even our uh, discussion today is uh, relationships. I think diversity. I think knowing multiple languages. I think knowing things about different countries, different parts of the world, what they like to eat, what they like to do, uh, what kind of hobbies they have. Because, you know, in your clinic, that becomes a strength. If you speak an extra language, uh, that you can service more people and you'd be surprised that even if you, you know, speak a foreign language and it's kind of, 
you know, you're not even really fluent. You can just kind of get across medical language to them. People are really, really receiving of it. Uh, people respect you more. They, they, they are, they're more open with you. Um, you know, my dad used to always say that people are like bank accounts, relationships are like bank accounts. And you have to continue to deposit, have good moments with everybody. If it's your patient or it's your staff. And obviously we have daily interactions with our staff. So let's go with that one. And you have to continue to deposit emotion, care, love, trust into those bank accounts. Because at some point, you're going to need a favor. You're going to need help. You're going to need support. And that's when your bank account, that's when you withdraw. And if you don't build that kind of trust with your patients, your your uh, staff, those relationships have to be really strong because we're going to have down days. And I think the relationships are a key way to get through your day. And obviously, we think about patients, but we're around our you know, coworkers all the time, if it's another physician, if it's our nursing staff, it's our front desk staff, and everybody's very important. I mean, I think everybody plays such an important role. The doctors are not the most important piece of the puzzle. We're just a piece. And if you don't treat the front desk people the same as the back end people, as the cafeteria workers, to the janitors, to the GME office, to researchers, those people are so important. And some of my most important relationships have been with those people. When I would go to work, those are the people I'd want to say hi to, spend time with when I had a break. And they energized me. They helped me refocus. They heard me out. I heard them out. And it just it helps you get through work because you see a smiling face and you know that people are there that care for you. They, they want the best for you. They're praying for you. They want to see you succeed. There's never ill feelings. You know, those are the, the important things about relationships. And I think having those difficult conversations, sometimes having friends or colleagues from a whole different spectrum, really, you can embrace good in everybody. I think everybody's born with some innate good in them. And we can all talk about the bad in each other. We all have flaws, you know. But if you kind of focus on the good, there's a lot more that we can agree on um, if it comes to even things like you mentioned, politics or religion or world views. We, we agree so much more than we disagree, but I think we just are so hyper-focused and hyper-sensitive to disagreement. And I think if we just focus more on yeah. positivity, uh, the world would be a better place. I agree. And I only bring that up because I, I, I mean, I think where we're getting with this is that, is that all the things that you talked about that you guys are trying to do is trying to not only teach you know, people or mentor people to have a relationship with their patients or connect with their patients, but also connect with the people around them, right? To connect with the people that they work with, because that's what, that's what really prevents burnout in, and the, you know, the environment that we've already talked about uh, is preventing us from connecting with patients. Well, how do we do it anyway? And then the, and then the pandemic is, is preventing us from connecting with those people that we work with or, 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 you know, well, how do we do it anyway? And then the time that we're spent is, is preventing us from having a life outside of, outside of work. Well, how do we do it anyway? And then also having this, you know, this well-rounded life that you're talking about. And I think, I think if I were to bring everything together, that that's, that's kind of been your message today. Would you, would you agree with that? Or is there anything you would add to that? I think you're spot on. Uh, I hate to use this word because it has a negative connotation, but you have to be selfish. You have to prioritize yourself to be your best. Um, you have to do things in a way that even after work, you have time for. You have to make time for. You have to be intentional. There's, there's no, there's no, this will come by. I'll make it happen. You, 
you have to be intentional. If that's not setting goals every morning to every week to monthly, that this is what I want to do. And you can start collecting data. If it's losing weight, weighing in at work every day, documenting it. I mean, you have to hold yourself accountable. It comes from within. You have to be the change to see the change. And it starts with you. And you'd be surprised that with how much effort you put in, it can be really contagious to the rest of your workplace. And if it's healthy eating choices, if it's your demeanor, your hobbies, people start to pick up on it too. And then next thing you know, you just kind of ride the wave of positivity, productivity, reliability. Everyone's decisive. You're on the same page. But it's so difficult when you have turnover and staff. And that's part of the burnout issues too, is that players are always changing. It's tough to have a cohesive team and that can be frustrating. But once you kind of are able to, like you mentioned, get into 10 years, you kind of know where you're at. You probably have more routine and that's what kind of physicians thrive off of. Oh, this is really good. This is really good. I, I think that this this plays over into, you know, every profession. So, you know, people who are listening to this, I think that it plays over into everything. And I'm I'm really pleased we had this discussion today. Um I I I just really thank you for coming on and for sharing your expertise. Oh, it's a pleasure. I think uh uh people just need to communicate more, uh be more sensitive to other people's feelings know that everybody's going through something different everybody has a story and it's not just in medicine but it's life and we're not going to be here very long and so we're just trying to leave the world in a better place than we found it and stay connected to people uh try to do some good in the world before it's our time and we all hear about tragic stories about friends or family that are dying at young ages you know and we all know too that once you leave a position in the hospital it's going to be on their website to be recruiting within a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Still, fill. You know, the hospitals are like, uh, it's like the shore on water. If there's a hurricane or if there's, you know, a lot of damage on the shore, the next day you can't really tell. The water's still kind of calm. You can never really tell. And so the, the hospital will continue to carry on. So you have to make sure you have things outside the hospital that are important to you, prioritize, uh, or even not just using hospital terminology, but clinic. Um, because life will go on without us. It always will. So it's important to stay connected and do good, do a good deed and help people. Yeah. Be a, and be a, and continue to be, a, for those people out there, continue to be a caretaker, continue to care about the people who are, who you're seeing, or, you know, just the people in your life. Thank you, Dr. Ali. This was really good. I really appreciate you. How, how do we, how do people get in touch with you? So, um, you can just email me directly. My name is spelled really cool. Uh, S-H-A-A-W-N dot A-L-I at gmail.com. Um, my dad believed in numerology, so he gave me an extra A. He said it'd make me a leader. So uh, I have to give him credit for that. That's awesome. I will, I will include your, I will include your stuff on, uh, on the show notes. Uh, and then, yeah, it made me think of AA Ron, you know, so you're, yeah. you're Sha Sean, AA Sean, or I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering that, but you know what I mean? That, that was really cool. Um, thank no, you. Ag- yeah. Thank you again. And, um, yeah, I, I hope, uh, I hope that this, uh, provides an opportunity to talk about this more because I think that this is a, a really, really important topic. So thank you again. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen. Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also, Visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. 
These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships. Build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.